Very good. Turn, if you would, tonight to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to be back again tonight. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the word that we're able to look into that you have given to us. I pray that it would be a help to us tonight, that it would be a challenge in our thoughts as to how we oftentimes approach life. I pray that it would be the help to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was looking over my notes in preparation for this service, I came to this conclusion that I probably shared a portion of this story a few years ago, but because I didn't remember it until today, I think there's a good chance that some of you will not remember the story that I shared a few years ago. But some time back, I was on the internet and a video came up somehow that I was able to watch about a young man by the name of Patrick Hughes. And I don't know if you've ever seen this young man's story, but Patrick was born with no eyes. So obviously being born with no eyes is forever existence on this earth would cause him to be blind. And in addition to that, he was born with some kind of disease that kept him from being able to extend his legs so he was not able to walk. And so the only thing that he really had full use of were his arms and his hands. And as the story unfolded, as the story progressed, here's what you found out, is that he was an amazingly gifted musician. He was, an, uh, he, or he is, rather, a, an amazing pianist and an amazing trumpet player, uh, so much so that with the help of his dad pushing his wheelchair, he made it onto the marching band for the University of Louisville. And so his dad would push him around during the halftime performances of the band, and he played the trumpet, and it's quite the story. If you've never watched it, I would encourage you to go home, YouTube it, and again, it's pretty interesting. But as this story was told a few years ago, it, it came up on Facebook again, and I, I watched it again, and I was reacquainted with this story. And as this interview was taking place, the interviewer asked this question, to him, this young man named Patrick, how do you view your disabilities? How do you view your disabilities? And this was his response to her question. They're not disabilities at all. They're abilities. They're not disabilities at all. Now, I don't know what she was expecting to hear. I don't know what she was anticipating by way of a response but I would almost be willing to bet that that's not what she was expecting. Whenever she said, how do you view your disabilities, I don't think that she was anticipating him to respond by saying, they are not disabilities at all, they are abilities. Now, from that story, I want us to think about this that sometimes we see people going through circumstances, going through situations, it is, for lack of better words, their lot in life to deal with this long term. And I think all of us would agree to this, that our heart has gone out to people like that. 
We have looked at whatever the situation may be, whatever the challenge may be, and our heart has gone out to them. We have felt sorry for them. We have been sympathetic toward their situation. And I know that this wouldn't be true every time, but I think this is probably true more times than we realize it, that, that sometimes we're more worried about a person's situation than they are. They've come to accept it, they've come to grasp it, and, and they're not wrestling with it anymore. And, and so this sympathy and, and this heartfelt concern that we have for them, it's something that they're not even wrestling with anymore. They've just grown to accept it and they're moving on with life. And, and much like this young man, it's not really perceived as a disability as much as it is an ability and some kind of an opportunity for something good to come out of that. So with that in mind, this evening we're going to continue looking in Luke chapter 1, and I just want to say right up front that I know this, that I am aware of this, that tonight's message is going to piggyback on the thoughts of this morning's message. All right. So if you leave here this evening and you say, weren't there some similarities between tonight's message and this morning's message? I'll just let you know right up front. Yes, there were some similarities, and, and it's okay, and it's good. Okay. So, so we don't need to leave bothered thinking, ah, he, he overlapped some of his thoughts. No, this could be a real benefit to some of us. I know it can be a benefit to me. And so tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at just a few verses of Scripture. And I just want to say this. I don't know that it needs to be said, but I just want to say it for my own peace of mind and maybe for a little bit of clarification. But over the years, I have had the chance, kind of like what Brother Mike mentioned just a moment ago before he sang, he said that he takes three Sundays every year and deals with the Christmas story. Now, I've not dealt with the Christmas story three Sundays every year leading up to the, the Christmas day, but I have preached what I think is a pretty fair share of, of Christmas-type sermons, okay, centered around the Christmas story, and I know that I have listened to many Christmas stories over the course of my life, and, and I think it's fair to say that I've never heard a sermon preached about the conversation that took place between Mary and Elizabeth after Elizabeth was found to be pregnant in her old age and Mary was found to be pregnant from the work of God in her life, okay? I, I, there's a good chance that I missed a good sermon from that conversation. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, there's a real good chance I didn't clue in and and catch everything, but I don't think I've heard any sermons from that portion of Scripture. I'll say this, I don't believe I've ever preached a sermon from this. I haven't gone back and gone through all my notes. So I think tonight is a first for me, and maybe for some of you it's a first for you. But what I want us to do tonight is I want us, in light of the Christmas story, the birth of Christ, and everything that was going to unfold and everything that was going to happen, I want us to look at a conversation that took place between Elizabeth and Mary, something that can easily be overlooked and just read quickly and, and moved on to the next portion of the Scripture. But I think in this, again, it reveals the maturity and, and the godliness of Mary at such a young age, something that could really challenge us if we would get a hold of this that she was not some older seasoned saint this is a young lady who had already arrived 
to this kind of spiritual maturity in her life. And when you think of that, it really is a challenge to many of us. So that in mind, I'm just, like I said, I'm going to piggyback tonight on some of the thoughts that were already mentioned this morning, but I I want us to just think about this so that you can understand my train of thought and and where we're headed this evening. Again, like I said this morning, the main characters of the story are Joseph and Mary and what is going to come from them, that being the birth of Christ and how all that's going to unfold. I mentioned this morning, I want to say again, that they were espoused, okay? They were engaged, what we would call engaged, looking forward to that day that they would be married. And again, repetitive, I know, but that would have been an exciting time in their lives. It would have been something they were looking forward to. It would have been something they were daydreaming about. Whenever they were together, I just have to assume they would have talked about where they would be living, what they would be doing, what they thought their lives would be looking like in the next few months or or years to come. And as everything was being planned, as everything was being put together in their minds, the angel Gabriel shows up and says, Mary, you're highly favored. You're going to bring forth the Son. You'll call his name Jesus. And here's what will be accomplished from his life. Now, all that being said and somewhat reviewed, I want us to think about this, that the day and the culture that they lived in is vastly different than the day and the culture we live in for many, many reasons. But one of the main reasons is this, is that there was actually some shame in their day associated with pregnancy outside of wedlock. Unlike our day where it seems to be celebrated or no big deal anymore, that is not how it was in their day. In their day, a pregnancy out of wedlock, it was shameful, it was disgraceful, it was something to be frowned upon. Really, it was the right perspective and it was the right attitude to have Towards such a situation, I would say this, we have not progressed in that area. We have digressed in that area. And it's because of that shame, it's because of that disgrace, that Joseph contemplated what he should do with Mary. You remember this, right? If you go back and you read the story, here is Joseph learning that Mary is pregnant He knows that she's not married, and Joseph knows that he has not lined with her or or, or been with her, and and so he is contemplating, what do I do? Do I put her away privately? Do Do I put her away discreetly so as not to shame her any more than she will already be shamed? And that's when Joseph is told, no, continue on and, and go ahead and follow through with this relationship. And it's explained to him as to, as to how it would be and as to what it would look like. And we know that Joseph and his obedience did so. But again, there was this shame associated with the position that Mary has now found herself in. So if we keep all that in mind... Again, reviewing this, as I said this morning, when Mary found out that she was pregnant with Christ, never mind the shame associated with it, that was going to totally change and alter 
her situation for the rest of her life. Any ideas that we'll get married and in a couple of years we'll start our family? Any idea of we're going to, to get married and then we'll do this and then we'll do this and then we'll do this and then maybe we'll start our family? Whatever happens, we'll, we'll see. Whatever they had planned, friends, it changed in a heartbeat. It changed in a moment, really without notice. One day Mary is espoused. She's very not pregnant, and everything is planned the way that it is to marry Joseph. And that fast, she learns, you're having a child. This is how it'll happen, and this is what will be produced. Now, over the years, I just want to be honest with you and say this. I have been sympathetic toward Joseph and Mary. You understand what I'm saying? I, I've thought to myself in, in trying to put myself in this position, I, or in their position, I, I have thought something like this, in a way, for lack of better terms, and, and, back of, and, and for lack of better words, in a way, that could almost be a, a source of disappointment, you know, at first wrestling with, well, that wasn't a part of my plans. Because that's how we tend to think sometimes, right? Come on now. When our little plans get disrupted, sometimes we wrestle with it before we come to really accept it. Let's not pretend that everything comes our way and we're just, well, praise the Lord. That's not how most of us respond, depending upon the severity of our plans being altered. Would we agree to that? Okay. So based on how I tend to respond to my plans being altered, based on how most people tend to respond to their plans being altered, here is what I have done. I have thought, you know, in spite of her excitement, there probably still had to be just a little bit, maybe possibly some disappointment or some getting used to the idea that her life would never be the same. And how I've missed this in all the years of going to church and sitting through sermons and reading through the Bible, how I've missed all this, I don't know. I guess the same way that you miss some of the stuff you've missed all your life until the light bulb finally comes on. But in Luke chapter 1, we have Mary who has gone to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. We know that whenever Mary walks in and she speaks to Elizabeth, we know that the baby John in the womb of Elizabeth leaps for joy whenever she heard the, or whenever he heard the salutation of Mary. And so if you look in verse number 45, here's what we've got. We've got Elizabeth making a statement Luke chapter 1, verse number 45, we've got Elizabeth making this statement, and she says, And blessed is she that believed, this is a reference to Mary, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So this is what Elizabeth says of Mary, that she was blessed. That she was blessed. 
Now, I want to ask you something and just see if this is true. Again, I, I think this is true of many of us, but, but how many of us have ever said something like this, don't speak for me, I'll speak for myself? You ever been in a situation like that? You know, there, there have been times that people have said something like this, are you upset? No, I'm not upset. Well, well you, you look upset. I'm, I'm not upset. Well, well, you're acting like you're upset. I, I'm not upset. Okay. Don't assume that you know what I'm thinking. Right? Have you ever been there? Okay. Now, I'm saying that for this reason. Elizabeth says of Mary, you're blessed. You are blessed in that you have believed. And there's going to be a performance or an accomplish of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now, my point is just this. Just because Elizabeth thought Mary was blessed didn't necessarily mean that Mary believed she was blessed. You know, if somebody came to you and said, you're so fortunate, and then they said X, Y, and Z, because of these reasons you are fortunate, you may look at those same things and say, uh, I, I don't view it as such a blessing like you do. Okay? So I, I say that to say this. I don't want to just take Elizabeth's opinion of the situation and, and make application to that, I want us to look at what Mary said in light of her world forever changing and her plans being forever altered. Notice what she says in verse number 46. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. What does it mean whenever Mary says that her soul is magnifying the Lord? It just means this, that she is praising the Lord for what has happened in her life. For her plans being altered, for her plans being changed, for, for her plans being completely upended, for whatever shame could be associated with her pregnancy because it was out of wedlock. And people you know back then, just like today, they would talk without knowing the details. They would gossip behind her back. They would whisper as she walked by, but not having the courage to say it to her face. With all that being around her and with all those things no doubt taking place to an extent, here is what Mary said, you know, my soul doth magnify the Lord. I'm just praising the Lord. Have my plans been changed? Have my plans been altered? Has my life been turned upside down to an extent? Yes, but I, I want you to know something. Mary says... I am praising the Lord for what He has done and doing in my life. Now, I want us to notice this, that, that based on how this is worded, that is a, a present tense statement that she is praising the Lord. But this is important. Verse number 47, it says this, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God... My Savior. My spirit hath rejoiced. What is that? Well, that's a past tense statement. 
It's not that I am just happy in the moment. I have been rejoicing and I have been praising and I have been magnifying the Lord based upon the information that I was given by the angel Gabriel on that day. Now, now why is that important? It is important for this reason. How many of us have ever been given information and whenever we initially got the information, we weren't real thrilled with the information we were given. And it took some time for us to process what it was we were told, and it took some time for us to get our attitude right. We ever been there? I think most of us have been there, if we're honest, where we've heard something and we struggled with it and we've wrestled with it and we didn't like it, we didn't want to accept it, we didn't want to, 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 to believe it, whatever it may be. And it took us some time to get to the place where we could say we were still magnifying or praising the Lord. But here is what Mary said. It's not that my soul doth magnify the Lord. She said, my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. What it appears to me from the context, from everything that we read is this, is once Mary got some kind of an explanation as to how she would be pregnant with Christ and, and what was going to happen, there was no struggle with accepting all this and the, and the shame that would be associated with it. But almost immediately, if not immediately, she saw the blessing of it. And she began to rejoice and she began to magnify the Lord for what he was doing in her life. It was immediate. My plans have been changed. My plans have been altered. My life will never be the same. There are going to be talking. There are people talking. There will be people whispering about me behind my back. I'm not worried about that. I am praising the Lord. She goes on to say in verse number 48, For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For, behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She said, you know what's going to happen? From now on, people are going to view me as one who is blessed. Verse 49, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Isn't that an amazing statement? Apparently not. Isn't that an amazing statement? For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Here I am in my own little world, doing my own little thing, living my own little life, and he has come in with no warning, with no announcement, and he has completely changed my direction. He has upended everything that I had planned. He has caused me to be in this position of shame to, to the extent that my own uh, fiancé was contemplating putting me away. And in light of all this, I am praising the Lord because he has done great things to me. Can I just share something with you? And if you've never been guilty of this, that's fine. But, uh, but I would say it like this. Any sympathy that I have ever had for Mary in the past, 
for what she had to endure, for what she had to go through, for what she had to put up with, any sort of sympathy that I have had toward her, you know what she'd say to me? I'm really not deservant of any sympathy. This is not a problem for me whatsoever. You are worried about this far more than I have ever been worried about this. Uh, you're upset about something that I'm not upset about. It's kind of like that young man saying, what disability? It's just abilities. This really isn't an issue. And so for me, as it relates to Mary, it would just be this. Uh, Kyle, you don't need to worry about the situation. I never thought about it for a second. My only conclusion was this is God hath done some great things to me, and I have been rejoicing, and I am still rejoicing. Generations forever are going to be calling me blessed. Uh, this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. Isn't that an amazing testimony? It's one thing for Elizabeth to say, Mary, you're blessed. It's another thing for Mary to come back and say, you don't know how blessed I am. Now this evening as we think about that, I want to look at this from maybe a little bit of a different perspective. But again, I want us to think about our plans. How many of us tonight, if we had to be honest, we'd have to say something like this, we have some plans right now for our future days. I do. I'll just be honest with you. I, I've got some family plans. I've got some financial plans. I've got some career plans. I, I've got plans. Somebody says, what are those plans? They're just plans. There's nothing exciting about any of them, okay? You, you say, well, okay, career. I mean, that sounds like the church. So, so what are you talking about? I'm just saying I, I'm not going to preach forever, I don't think. I mean, I might if I have the opportunity to, to pass away young, you know. But, but I'm just saying if the Lord gives me long life, I'll probably not be doing this forever. At some point, for obvious reasons, I'll have to step aside. I'm just saying as I look ahead, like anyone else, I've got plans. Okay, we've all got plans in one manner or another. Now, now again, somewhat repetitive, I understand this, but I, I want us to, to really think about this. How many of us have had our plan in place, whatever it is, and something comes along and it alters our plan? in such a way that there is no way we can get our plan back on course. We ever been there? Okay. For those of you who are struggling to follow this, it's like this. I've, I've got my financial plan in place. This is what's going to happen with my finances. And something comes up and says, uh-uh. That may have been your plan, but guess what? That, that's not what's going to be reality for you. I've got my family plan. Here's what's going to happen with my family. And then something happens and you realize, 
what my plan was, it will never become a reality. I, I just want us to think about this. If we have ever had our plans so altered that it became obvious that we were not going to get our plan back on track, let me ask you, did you and I ever wrestle with that? Most of us did. You say you're being repetitive. I know. I'm trying to show us something. You and I many times are so consumed with our plan that if anything alters our plan, we oftentimes don't know how to properly respond to that alteration. We can get pretty bent out of shape in our spirit, can we not? So long as everything's going according to our plan, then, then we're a pretty easy person to be around. But as soon as our plan gets altered and our spirit gets rattled, then all of a sudden we're not as easy to be around as we once were. That's just true of many of us. And if you don't want to admit that of yourself, that's fine, but I could talk to your family and friends to, to prove you wrong. We just don't like our little plans being disturbed. It can mess with our spirit. It can cause us to be irritable. It can cause us to be grouchy. It can cause us to, to become bitter. It can cause us to become resentful. I've had people say things like this. My faith has really been shaken because of this. Because of what? Because your plan not going according to plan. I, I'm wanting us to see this. That most times when our plans are altered, we cannot say with the honesty and, and the sincerity of Mary, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Many of us may get to the point where we say, my soul doth magnify the Lord. But oftentimes it takes us a while to get to that point. We might be able to say it in the present, but we cannot say it in the past that from the moment our plans got altered and everything got shifted, I realized, wow, God must be doing an amazing work in my life. And therefore, I'm just going to praise him. That's not how most of us respond immediately to life's plans being changed. We struggle with it. We wrestle with it. Sometimes we can let our spirit be altered by it. Our faith can be shaken for so many ways. And I, I want to be careful in how I say this. I, I really do. But I want us to, to think about this, that, that sometimes in the midst of our world shifting and our plans changing, not only are we not then praising the Lord, we want to know the sympathy 
of everyone around us as our plans have shifted and changed. Does this make sense? I mean, think about this. Mary didn't even ask for my sympathy, and I'm being sympathetic toward her in the past. Man, that'd be kind of tough. I mean, I, I know it's Christ, and I know that she gets to forever be the mother of Christ. I know, but, hold on, Mary wasn't looking for sympathy. Mary wasn't looking for any kind of consolation. She wasn't looking for, for any emotional group hug from her lady friends or, or whoever would be special in her life. Saying, like, Mary, it's going to be okay. And she's like, I know, it, 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 it's just not what I had anticipated. She, she wasn't looking for that. Could we be honest enough tonight to admit this, that sometimes when our plans get changed, by the sovereign power of God, not only do we not rejoice in it, we begin soliciting the sympathy of others. Because we're not ready to rejoice just yet. How are you doing? I'm just going to be honest. I'm not, I'm not doing real good. What's going on? Just really struggling. I'm sorry. I really am. What are you struggling with? And then they lay it out. Now understand, please. I understand the nature of a struggle. I'm not criticizing you if you've ever struggled because I have certainly struggled. But here's the thing. So many times we want people to have all this sympathy and all this empathy for us when what we ought to be doing is realizing God is doing something in my life. I don't understand the whole picture. He, he hasn't shown me every way that this is going to materialize. Trust me, Mary did not get the whole picture. She got enough for what she needed in the moment, but she did not get the whole 33 years of the life of Christ and what it was going to look like, and yet she was still able to rejoice. My, my point is this, is so many times whenever something happens, we fail to realize, okay, God must be working in some way, in some fashion, in one way or another, and we immediately go into this discouraged state, or we might call it a depressed state, a frustrated state, a concerned state, however we'd like to express it, and then we want to invite as many people into our, our party and give us all the sympathy we can muster up. Now, I'm not saying there are not times that we need some help and some strength and some support from, from our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not saying that. But how old was Mary? She's a teenager at best. A teenager. And she's going down this path of life, and God says, you were going down that path, now you're going down this path. And she didn't say, i got to go see my cousin. This is terrible. i got to go talk to my friends. This is awful. No, she didn't do that. She said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. 
I'm going to be called blessed for generations to come. He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. She wasn't looking for sympathy for a moment. I think sometimes we as adults who are well past our teen years, I think sometimes we just need to be reminded God's working. But I don't like the way He's working. It doesn't matter. God's working. So what do you need to do? Get over it. Accept it. Start praising the Lord and trusting He's going to do something great in all of this. I'll just say for myself, maybe not for you, but, but sometimes I need to be reminded discouragement is not going to fix anything. Allowing myself to get down in the dumps is not going to fix anything. And soliciting the sympathy of others is not going to alter my situation. So if I am here, wherever that may be, and God says, okay, we're changing your course and now this is the way it's going. If I get the sympathy of every one of you tonight, it doesn't change my situation. So what do I need to learn to do? I need to learn to just be grateful and thankful and magnify and rejoice in what the Lord is doing. Let me ask you tonight. Is it possible that you could look back over the course of, of recent days and you'd have to say something like this. God has allowed some things to happen that you wouldn't have necessarily chosen for yourself. Has that happened? It's possible. Is it possible then in light of that that we might have to admit we wrestled with our attitude toward that for a little bit? I'm not happy about this. I'm discouraged. I'm frustrated. I'm very concerned. Is it possible that, that we've wrestled with those emotions? It's possible. So is it then possible that we have then solicited the sympathy of others? Like, let me invite you into my world of, of pain and, and, and emotional anguish and and everything I'm wrestling with. Have we, in, in, have we solicited the sympathy of others? It's possible. And I'd like to remind us tonight, it's okay to say, hey, would you pray for me? I've got this coming up. Would, would you pray for me? I'm dealing with this. It's okay to do that. But really, what our, our point of emphasis should be is this. I don't know what God's doing, but God's doing something. And I need to rejoice, and I need to praise Him, and just know that God is working. Could any of us use that reminder from time to time? I know of at least one person tonight who could use that reminder somewhat frequently. And it's not any of you, just so that you know. That would be me. Because I don't want my little plans changed.
I don't want my world altered. God, let me just stay on the course I have designed for myself and, and, and don't ever disrupt this. Well, I, I don't have the authority to say that. And you don't have the authority to say that. So when God allows it to be altered, when God allows it to be changed, we really do need to be careful in how we respond. It's not a disability. It's an ability. I'm not someone to be, you know, to, to, to be pitied or to have sympathy for. No, I've, I've been praising the Lord. That really ought to be our response. But it can be a challenge to have that kind of maturity. Something to think about. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. Lord, I'm thankful for the testimony of Mary, just how clear it is. Lord, her attitude, her response. Again, when, when considering her age and, and where she should have been, as we would assume by way of maturity, to see how she handled all of this, it really is a challenge, at least to myself. And God, I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd help anyone who can identify with the struggle tonight. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be people who, whenever our plans are altered, that you'd help us to respond in a way that is most pleasing to you, that we would recognize that you're at work and we need to rejoice in that. And we don't need to be looking for the sympathy and, and the pity of others. Pray that you just help us to have the right outlook. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.